you are inherently making this speaking engagement about you and it is not about you. Yeah. The greatest gift you could give yourself as a speaker is to tell yourself, I am just the hired help. All I'm here to do is give help. Hello, my friend. Welcome. Before we dive in today, I just want to offer you something. Here's what it is. What if you could start every Monday morning with an easy but powerful thought experiment designed to turbocharge your communication and executive presence? What if you could turbocharge your communication and executive presence on a weekly basis for free? Well, that is what you will get when you sign up for my weekly newsletter. Just head to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe. And Bronwyn is spelled B-R-O-N-W-Y-N. Communications, all spelled out, dot com forward slash subscribe. And as a bonus, at the end of each month, I do a favorite things roundup of stuff I'm into, like books, articles, podcasts, and even some retail therapy moments. Anyway, it's good time. And at this point in my life, I'm still able to read every email response I get from you guys. And I try and respond to every single one of them. Now, if you're listening to this into the distant future, maybe like my future self will be so fancy and famous. She'll like live on a cloud and ride a unicorn to work every day. Maybe that future self won't be able to read every email. But as of right now, I totally read my emails from you guys. So it's just a great way to stay connected. And I'm sort of distancing myself a little bit more from social media. So it really is the best way to stay connected. So head over there, bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe, and I'll see you there. Okay. On with the show. Did you ever have that feeling that you're losing your audience? Like maybe you're over talking, but you just don't know how to stop. Well, my friend, you are not alone. This is something most of us struggle with at one time or another, including me. And today you're going to meet Sarah. Sarah is a powerhouse coach, but she has that nagging suspicion that her inability to kind of rein it in when she's giving speaking engagements and giving talks might be costing her her credibility. In this episode, you are going to find practical and repeatable strategies for staying on message, on purpose, and on fire from start to finish the next time you get up to present. So pour yourself a beverage. Maybe it's hot, maybe it's not. And please meet Sarah. First of all, tell me about your work. Tell us what you do. So... I am an executive coach and I help women in leadership positions either grow their careers or shift their careers to something that gives them more joy and more fulfillment and more excitement as you know when they wake up on Monday morning. My God, I have so many friends that are looking for people just like you to help them <laughs> with that because the great resignation, a lot of people aren't ready to just bail out of the workforce because they can't, but they need something more juicy, more joyful. Yes. Which is where you come in. Which is where I come in. Yeah. It's the great resignation. And also a lot of people like turning a milestone birthday. I think hashtag 50 over here in in about a year. Yeah. (laughs) It like it all of a sudden like, oh wait, what have I done for the last decade of my life? What do I want to do with the next decade of my life? Okay. So 
in that role, I'm guessing you do great one-on-one, right? You reached out to me specifically for help on something. And the way I like to think of it is all of us, myself included, have a from to. We want to go from something to something when it comes to improving as communicators. What's your from to, my friend? So my from to, (laughs) and you'll probably see this as we're talking this morning, is why use one word when 10 words will be just as good? (laughs) Like (laughs) I'm an over talker. And so when I'm in front of audiences or even like one-on-one in networking, not in coaching, right? In coaching, I don't have that problem. But when I'm in front of audiences, when I'm teaching, when I'm giving a talk, like a lunch and learn or a keynote or whatever, Mm -hmm. I tend to use more words Mm. than is necessary to get the point across. And what do you think that's costing you? I mean, why is more words wrong? Can you see the audience glazing over? Like, how do you know? Yeah, I see a couple of ways. I see like kind of losing them, right? You kind of can tell when the audience is engaged versus when they're like, and they kind of start looking at their phone or they start fidgeting. And then I can tell that my own sort of like heart rate gets higher. And so then I know that I'm entering into nervous zone or into like anxious zone. And so that is never like a safe place for an audience to be when Mm -hmm. the speaker is like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and has this always been the case for you as a communicator like even as a teenager you would get up in front of the class do a book report you could feel yourself getting diarrhea of the mouth so that's a great question i don't know i was a pretty shy kid english is a second language for me so and i was what's your first language russian is my first language wow that's the one thing i can say in russian (laughs) i love it i love it (laughs) But so I was always like, I was never a great public speaker. I would turn bright red and like, I could do it, but like, I was always very nervous. And I've definitely gotten a lot better as I've grown up, but as I've had a corporate career and I have to put in front of places, in front of stages. So I've gotten a lot better, but I have not been able to iron out this like over talking. And then also like, it's the over talking and then it's the awkward yeah, like dance moves, <laughs> the awkward body. Because I have a lot of energy and it has yeah. to come out. And so when I'm nervous, it comes out in awkward. Like a little awkward. wiggle here and there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I love it. I love it. Which in a coaching session is super endearing and great. But I could see how if you were on a stage or in front of a skeptical audience or a neutral audience that's trying to decide whether they're skeptical or not. Yes. That's not the version of you that you want to bring forward. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I worry then that it brings down my credibility and yes. it brings down like the message might be serious, but my body language yes. might perhaps not match up with the level of like the message, the gravity of the moment, the gravity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or at least the gravity is such a heavy word, but just the importance yeah, and the, the importance, the possibility of the moment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you're trying to get from over speaking, being generally it sounds to me, and maybe this is too harsh way of saying it, but it sounds to me like there are moments where you feel out of control up there, where yes. you can't control the flow of words, the volume of what's getting said. You don't have a ton of control over your body. It feels like it's very much like you can't trust yourself in those moments. 
Yeah, I think that that's right. I think that okay. that's right. Okay. So one of the things like the way as a coach, and I'm sure because I'm a coach talking to a coach, we all have our methods. But the way I like to look at this is first, I like to look at the beliefs and the thought patterns <laughs> at the core because yeah. we behave based on how we believe or how we think. And then I like to talk about systems and habits, like real practical yeah. strategies for managing this. So at the core, like thought level, when you're up there and you are giving a talk, let's say, what's going on in your mind? Like what story are you telling yourself about your content? First, I want to hear what story you're telling yourself about your content. And then I want to hear what story you're telling yourself mentally about the audience. Yeah, that's a good question. So I actually gave a talk last week and in front of like a medium-sized audience. Mm -hmm. And generally speaking, I always feel pretty confident on the content. If I had to give it like a one out of 10, like I'm always at like, not at a 10, but like an eight or a nine. Like Mm -hmm. I always feel pretty, unless it's a brand new topic that I've never spoken about before, which doesn't happen too often. Mm -hmm. I am generally pretty confident on the content. Yeah. That being said, I'm not always, especially with like this audience last week, I wasn't sincerely super confident of their receiving of the content. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think that maybe is a separate issue, but... Well, I want to tease out under the banner of content here. Would you say you are very comfortable, you're an eight or nine or maybe even a 10 on the concepts, but what about the actual sound bites? What about like, what verbal marks are you trying to hit? Have you identified those tweetable, quotable moments per segment of your talk that are so perfectly packaged and articulated. They're so you that it's easy for them to retweet it, repeat it at the cocktail party later. I know you've got the concepts down, yeah. but what about the quotes, the moments? That I don't know that I have it to that, yeah. to that level. Yeah. You said something... I don't know if it was on an Instagram story or somewhere, but I heard you say something as you were preparing for a keynote that you were doing, like, do I know exactly what's coming next? Yes, the transitions. Yeah, and yeah. I realized that for me, I don't know that that's true all the time. I think yeah. that that's true enough of the time because I created the content and so I know mm-hmm. it, but mm-hmm. I don't know that the specific ta-da point yes. is there. Yeah, So this is the most game-changing getting down to tools and strategies, right? So let's say one of the beliefs I think that is holding you back is I think that you believe that if you know the concepts and the order of the concepts, you're ready. Yes. I don't think that's true. I think it may be holding you back that belief. I think a new belief might be Step one is knowing the concepts cold, which really is the easy part, honestly, because it comes from inside you. These concepts are coming from your content, your brain, your heart. You're not ready until for each slide or each segment, you've got a really juicy soundbite that you can't wait to hit. That soundbite exercise is a kind of spokesperson discipline, right? People that I train for media interviews, things like that. They have to develop that capacity to hit their marks. And it doesn't mean everything's memorized because I do not believe in memorization on any level. But I do believe that if you struggle with over-talking or going on and on, you're like, how did I even get here? You have to have certain marks to hit. I was working with someone the other day who's a racer. 
And she was telling me about a period of time in her life where she just wasn't racing that well. And it was just overwhelming. She's like, why am I not racing and winning? And her mom said to her, she said, honey, don't worry about winning. Just hit your marks. Mm. And she said that piece of advice was so helpful because it broke down the race into bite-sized pieces where she was just managing against these very important markers through the race. And that's what giving a good talk is. For your opening, you want a mark to hit verbally that is killer, right? That makes the audience go, oh, wow, yes, I am in. I am in. I'm buying what she is selling, right? You need a marker for the beginning. You need a marker for, you know, a tweetable, quotable moment for each key concept. Yeah. When you know those and you can deliver them in the mirror with the right tone and pace, (laughs) then you're ready to talk. Yeah. That makes sense. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And I don't know that I have that. And I don't know that I have that, especially towards the end, because that's when I feel like when it gets worse, right? Like I start out well and I start out strong and then (laughs) that's what, and so I think maybe focusing on making sure that I have that, especially lined out towards the end of my talk. Yes. Like middle and end of my talk will be helpful. So the way I recommend you do it is you almost look at it. Part of the challenge of how long are your talks usually? It depends if they're interactive or not, but like 45 minutes to 90 minutes, let's just say. Same sister, same. And the thing about those kinds of talks is they're very long. I mean, when you think about the emotional energy and the psycho spiritual levels you got to bring to hold an audience for 45 minutes to 90 minutes, that's no freaking joke, my friend. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of intensity. And when we look at it, just like, okay, here's my slides. I just got to bomb down this mogul's mountain right now. It's really hard and you run out of gas. Yes. So the way I like to break it down is you have an act one, act two, act three, or beginning, middle, end. And when you see a talk in terms of those kinds of environments, like the act one environment is all about grabbing their attention and giving them reason to really lean in. Act two is where all the value gets delivered. Mm -hmm. Act three is the sublime close, Mm -hmm. right? And the energy signature of those three segments should be different. So for example, I gave a talk yesterday. I'm giving this talk like crazy right now because everybody's (laughs) pulling their hair out, but it's called busting the balance myth. And the premise is like, we can't balance in this culture. These systems are not set, especially for working mothers they are not set up for balance. Nobody can yeah. balance anything. Nobody can balance anything. Yeah. To be like Shiva or whatever the goddess is. Yeah. Clean arms. All the arms. <laughs> yeah. And so the energy, the vibe I'm delivering at the beginning of that talk is a vibe of you can't win if you're playing the balance game. Forget it. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Everybody yeah. should go home. And everybody's like, well, where the hell is she going with this? Yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> What are we doing? And then I tell them the game we can win is the game of alignment. What are we lining ourselves up with? And everything else needs to naturally fall away. (laughs) So act one ends with like, oh God, I feel this dread. Now what? Act two is about, aha, but there's a different game we can play and we can win this one. So we go into act one feeling like, okay, I'm feeling a little empowered. I'm feeling curious. Act three, I want them to feel so strong and grounded and bring it on. I want them to feel like, bring it the fuck on by the time I'm at act three. 
the way that talk is organized, of course, there's concepts and strategies and all the things. It has an emotional imprint, act one, act two, act three, each. If you look at your talk through that lens, it's going to naturally give your body, mind, and spirit enough diversity of vibe Mm -hmm. to recharge as you're speaking. Yeah. We run out of gas when it's the same vibe start to finish. Yeah, that makes sense. It's the same reason. Like when you listen to a really good song, you've got the verses, you've got the chorus, and you've got the bridge. Yeah. And maybe a guitar solo in there because we can't listen to the same shit over and over again. Yeah, that makes right? sense. Yeah. So for you, I would love your experiment to be, you are going to see readiness through the lens of concept mm-hmm. and marks that you're hitting. Yeah. What are those segments? What are the sound bites that really deliver the juice emotionally that you're looking for for that room? Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I want you to experiment with right now. Yeah. Okay. So let's pretend like that's enough. Yeah. If we were to think about the thoughts you're telling yourself about your audience, I don't think that's actually that big of a problem for you just instinctively, but tell me what you're thinking about. I mean, generally, like I want them to like me. I want them to think that I'm a credible resource because I'm relatively new in this industry. There is that sense of like, will they, which is, you know, maybe where some of that anxiousness comes from, but like, will they like me? Will they take me seriously? So I think a little bit of that plays into it as well. I'm glad we brought this up because I think those are very limiting beliefs about your audience. (laughs) What do you think I'm going to say about that? (laughs) When a coach talks to a coach. (laughs) Oh, believe me, trust me. When I had to watch myself coach the last one, I was like, I need a freaking coach. So there is no shade meant here, but what do you think I'm going to say about, I hope that the audience likes me and I want them to take me seriously. What do you think I'm going to say about that? These are very much stories I'm telling myself. When you hear those stories, what do they remind you of? What kinds of stories are those? I mean, those are very much like rooted in childhood, rooted in being a shy kid and like being an immigrant who's like new to the environment and wants to be accepted. This is what I love about us humans. We know, (laughs) we We know, know. but we just need someone to walk with us through it because we can't get there by ourselves all the time. Yeah. But you said that perfectly. It's, this is childhood shit. And yeah. I will tell you that it's never not. I've never ever worked with somebody on public speaking or communication issues that didn't have it rooted somewhere in the Wayback Machine. It's just how we're wired. So if you were coaching yourself and you're noticing that there are nine-year-old self messages or 12-year-old or 13-year-old self messages, what would you say to her? I mean, I think one thing I try to do with myself, but I don't know that it's that effective is I do try to reframe the situation that I'm automatically sort of quote unquote, automatically an expert because I was invited by such and such person to speak at such and such. So I try to remind myself of like the reality of the situation that I automatically have credibility based on the fact that I'm there. And then It's my credibility to keep, so to speak, and my credibility to build, not my credibility to gain. Yes. And I do try to remind myself that it's a hard story for me to maintain, if that makes sense. Well, I would like to just give you a whole different one to play with. And everything I'm talking to you about this morning, I want you to see it through the lens of experimentation. Some of the stuff I give you, you're going to be like, wow, that was really helpful. Other stuff, you're like, that's not me. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. 
The one I want you to shift to from, I hope they like me. I hope they take me seriously. You're still in that zone. Even if you're like, it's my credibility to lose or gain. You are inherently making this speaking engagement about you. And it is not about you. Yeah. The greatest gift you could give yourself as a speaker is to tell yourself, I am just the hired help. All I'm here to do is give help. And I will give it in whatever format these people need. And if I'm talking to bankers in the financial services industry, I bring forward my most conservative dress, my most polished version of myself. If I'm talking to a bunch of ad agency creatives, I can be a little bit more relaxed. I am meeting these people where they are so that they they can get help. And where I find this really, the practice that helps me drop into this, and I believe it's from the sort of meta meditation tradition, is I get into a place of deep compassion, especially Mm -hmm. if you're coaching women. When I think about how much women in the workforce are faced with right now, the burnout gap doubled between genders during the pandemic. We are fucking in it right now. And my heart hurts for all of us because it's so hard right now to function. And from that place of deep love and compassion and a desire to empower and turn these powerful women loose on the world, (laughs) that is what you're there to do. You are there to help them and build them up and turn them loose, right? And that, I'm wondering what that thought pattern does when you roll it around in your head. I mean, that is a lot more engaging, a lot more empowering for me than the thinking of myself. Because yeah, I think you're 100% right. It's not about me at all. When I think about what they're thinking as they're coming into the room is, I hope she can teach me what I need to know in order to bust through X problem. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And that's what I need to remember is like, that's what they're thinking about. They're not thinking about, oh, how is she going to mess up? Or how is she going to be terrible? They're not thinking about me. They're thinking about how can she help me? In fact, the next time you give a talk, you may want to open with that. Be like, you know what? I've been thinking about you guys nonstop because I want to make this worth your while. And the question I kept coming back to, if I were in your shoes is, can she help me bust through this one big problem and then do it? You know what I mean? Like that's just an interesting starter. I love speakers that say the thing that everybody's thinking you know, and just get right to it instead of, well, let me tell you a little bit about my background. And, you know, not that you would do that, not that you would do that, but I love that. Because one thing I do is I, especially if I want it to be an interactive conversation or it's supposed to be an interactive, one thing I always say, this isn't the me show, right? This is the your show. And I'm just here to facilitate the discussion. And so I say that, but I don't know that I say that and I believe it and I mean it, but I don't know that I say that specifically to me. I say that to them, but I don't say it to me. And I think I need to start saying it to me. Yeah, I think that's right. And not to get too woo-woo on you, but I know you've, if you're a coach, you've felt this before. Have you ever felt it when you are working with someone or in front of the room and you're like, damn, I don't even know where this is coming from. It's good shit. Like, <laughs> this is great. This is good. <laughs> and it's because you're channeling. It's almost like you have found alignment yes. with something bigger than you and it is moving through you. Have you yes. had that experience? I have absolutely have had that experience either in like in one-on-one coaching, but also very much have had it on a stage where I'm talking to a group of people and you're like, oh, you're like, like what's happening? <laughs> you're like, I crushed that and it wasn't even me. Right. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. So that's, only possible if we can get 
into alignment with being of service to an audience. Yeah. We don't get that quite as clear of a signal. And I don't know where it comes from. The collective unconsciousness, God, the universe, who cares? It feels awesome. It feels great. Yeah. But it's also kind of humbling because you're like, that was not me. I don't know where that came from, right? That is only possible when we get our egos out of the way. What's so funny is we think that when we hear the word ego, we think of like blustery sort of, I take over the room. That's only one side of the ego. The other way the ego shows up is by, gee, I hope everybody likes me. Yeah. That's also ego. And so if we can put that aside and be like, I'm not hired help. I know these strategies are helpful. I'm going to deliver them in the most memorable, vivid way possible with the best possible stories so that these people can crush it when they leave this room and go out on stage. You will murder it in a good way. Yeah, No, I completely agree with you. One of the things that I always like to think about too is I don't want to be the man, right? If I was the man, I would be one of the executives in that room. I want to be the man behind the man. I want to support them in doing their work. And that's one of the reasons that I do what I do because I want to help other people be successful. I want to partner with them on whatever that success looks like for them. Yeah, And I need to remember that like the reason for my doing this work in the first place, I need to remember that in the moment that I'm going up in front of a room or on a stage. That's right. And when you say the man behind the man, you mean the person behind the person, the woman. The person behind the person. Yeah, Yeah. it's just a phrase. Yeah, yes. It's so funny. Some of my like younger audience members, they don't have those same phrases that we grew up with, like the guy behind the guy. And they'll be like, why are you saying guy? And I'm like, oh God, it's just a phrase. It's just a phrase. (laughs) Yes, the person behind the person sounds more cumbersome. Yeah. (laughs) Behind the human just doesn't roll off the tongue. Doesn't roll off the tongue as well. It does not. I love that. Okay. So where I want to kind of close this out for now, because maybe you'll come back and report back, is I would love to hear from you. What is one thing you're going to try based on this conversation? Or two things. Yes. I think I'm going to try two things. One is I'm going to have that like pep talk with myself before the conversation, before the speech of like, Hey, this is not about you. This is about them. And like thinking about what they might be thinking as they're walking into the room, that's going to be a biggie. And then two is going to be thinking about what are those mile markers for me in the contents and like, and start building those in to my content as I prepare for my talks that actually have this coming week and start practicing those those mile markers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially towards the end. (laughs) One thing to add to that, sometimes we get stuck and we can't think of a good zinger. Certain people are just brilliant zinger makers. If you get stuck and you need help with a good soundbite, ask a friend. Yeah. Go have wine. Use your tribe. When men executives plan their talks, they have no problem calling in the PR team and being like, I need some sound bites up in this piece. Yeah. Call your PR yeah, team. That's true. Yeah. You know, true. make your yeah. PR team. Make my PR team. Yeah. yeah. Like Brene Brown, when she writes a book, <laughs> the process of writing is incredibly painful for her. Yeah. So the last book she wrote, she rented a house by the beach, had her two, mm-hmm. three best girlfriends come and she talked it. They took notes. She took the notes and went and typed it up. That's amazing. Yeah. We do it in community. Yeah. You don't have sure. to do this alone. That's true. That was so helpful. Thank you so much. That was really, really helpful. It's helpful to like look at yourself from like a 10,000 foot view sometimes because we're just too in it to be able to see. And also being sole contributors and solopreneurs, it's very lonely. It's so lonely. You get so little feedback. Yeah, exactly. Or you get a little like actual feedback that you really know, like, I don't know what to do. 
exactly with this. Right. It's vague or it's like platitudes. I know. I feel you. Well, I am here to tell you that I'm excited for what's possible because I don't think you've even scratched the surface of what your potential is as a speaker. Thank you. I hope so. Love that. Love her. I am convinced that part of what makes public speaking so scary and mysterious is that we tend to center ourselves instead of the audience. Really think about how you might center them and serve them versus worrying about making them like you. Just remember, this isn't about you. And just remembering that is a huge relief. We are at our best when we are of service to something greater than ourselves. And that something greater is your audience. Hey, if you're still with me and you haven't already, hit subscribe so you can get my latest episodes delivered hot off the press. And feel free to share this with someone who could use a little inspiration. If you're looking to go further on this journey as a communicator, head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe. And on Monday mornings, you will receive a communication tip to work with for the week. And on Saturday mornings, you'll receive a short little email with three things I am listening to or reading or digging right now. Also find me on my new YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash this is Bronwyn, B-R-O-N-W-Y-N, where I drop new content every Thursday covering strategies for getting more confident during moments of conflict. And speaking of conflict, if you're dealing with a tough client or work situation and you need better skills for managing difficult conversations, check out my new online course called the No Enemy Client Conversation. And that is noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com. That's noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com. As always, you can find me on Instagram at bronwynsf, where I offer a lot of behind the scenes insights into how I make all this content and run my business for those coaches and solopreneurs who need a little inspo. And lastly, if your company or organization needs a high voltage keynote speaker, who knows how to melt faces and blow minds virtually or in real life, I'm your gal. Shoot me a note. Let's make some magic happen. That's Bronwyn at BronwynCommunications.com. As always, I'm so grateful you're here and I thank you for your time and shine on. We need your light. I'll see you next time.